Are you denying your anality? Welcome, Mere Mortalites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals podcast, but also this one where I dive deeper into the books that I'm reading to give you the juicy information to extract some themes you might not have got in your own reading and to also know more about psychoanalysts and psychology. Indeed, we do have The Denial of Death by Ernest Becker. So this book was published in 1973 and it's about 300 pages in length and it took me only four hours to get through, which is a little bit shorter than normal, but I'll be explaining why soon. So it is a psychology-focused book that has this theory that human civilization and individuals behave in a way to obscure, to shroud, to perhaps not even know about their own upcoming mortality, the fact that we are humans and that we do indeed die. So we do this through heroism and in particular by becoming immortal via projects and meaning and attaching our own psychology, I suppose, to, to these separate things. There are three parts in this book, part one being the depth psychology of heroism, part two, the failures of heroism, and part three, retrospect and conclusion, the dilemmas of heroism. So it very much is focusing on this heroism aspect, which I'll get into soon. There are many different topics that will get through this, and a lot of this is related to the psychoanalysts. So this is Freud and Jung, and in particular, Otto Rank, who is one he references exclusively, or not exclusively, but a lot throughout this book. And so there's lots of things about child, about dramatization and fetish objects, about group behavior, about heroism, the hermaphroditic image, about Carl Jung, Kierkegaard, about man, about neurosis, about psychological gurus, about romantic love and sexuality, and many, many different topics that I was just going through the index there. So who was Ernest Becker and what was this book, I guess, created for or why? Well, he was an American anthropologist and he was pretty much a lecturer who had this deep desire, this learning for this kind of cross-cultural, cross-discipline type um, activities. And so he would really get into the psychology, even though he was not a trained psychologist nor acted as a psychologist. And he taught at universities, seemed to get in a bit of trouble with the administrations there and was subsequently moved on or fired or many different things and was also an author at this kind of same time period. So he wrote 10 books on mostly psychiatry type topics and had an unfortunate demise due to cancer of his own mortality at a relatively young age in his 40s or 50s, I believe. So what is the first and main topic, I guess, you'll get from this, which is heroism, the transference away from mortality. So I'm going to go through some definitions here because this is very useful when getting into these books on psychology, which tend to be very wordy and <laughs> get really into things. So I'm going to jump here onto page 11, which is basically right at the start of the book. And this is where he's talking about heroism. So Heroism is first and foremost a reflex of the terror of death. We admire most the courage to face death. We give such valor our highest and most constant adoration. It moves us deeply in our hearts because we have doubts about how brave we ourselves would be. When we see a man bravely facing his own extinction, we rehearse the greatest victory we can imagine. And so he's going on to talk about honor, acclaim, and why human evolution has been designed to do this. The next definition I want to get to is on page 143, and this is about transference, which is very much a idea or a definition that was taken from the psychoanalysts of Freud and Jung and Rank and, and people and Adler, people like that. 
So there's uh, many uh, different definitions from uh, Silverberg, from Eric Fromm, but the two easiest that I'll go through here are Jung, who says, it's always trying to deliver us into the power of a partner who seems compounded of all the qualities we have failed to realize in ourselves. So this is this moving away from ourselves and putting our kind of identity onto another thing. And the Adlerian view, transference, is basically a maneuver or tactic by which the patient seeks to perpetuate his familiar mode of existence that depends on a continual attempt to divest himself of power and place it in the hands of the other. So really get into this idea where it's moving whatever it is that we are and how we see ourselves and and placing a a portion of that, if not all of that, onto another separate entity. And this can be many different things and we'll explore that shortly. I didn't particularly find a good definition for death or mortality in written actually in this book. If I had to guess, I would say it would be something along the lines of, uh, the knowledge that the human body will end or that our consciousness will end, something like that. And he kind of tiptoes around this or dances around this with many other definitions of things such as anality. Uh, and this is this a kind of understanding that we are, we are mortal. Like how do we know that we're mortal? Well, we shit and we poo. And so there's a lot of focus on, you know, excretion and that sort of matter in, in this book. And one of his quotes are, we are a God who shits or we are a God with anuses or something like that. And this also wraps up with many other psychoanalyst type, I suppose, theories, which are related to sexuality, the Oedipal complex, castration, anxiety, penis envy, neurosis, repression. Uh, it's, it's suppose, I guess, getting all of this and this is tumbling up into why we experience things and why, how we know that we are mortal and human. And a lot of this is, uh, I wouldn't say exactly clearly defined. And so <laughs> let's move away from the definitions into what he was trying to explain, or at least my interpretation of it. So there's this thing called the Causa Sui project, which he comes up with. And this is sort of what I was talking about before about this transference, about moving away. And this project is, okay, what is it that we are attaching meaning to or gaining meaning from? And this is where it's almost our, our sense of trying to become immortal. And so he was sort of slightly hinting that this used to be religion uh, in the kind of before the 19th century, but now in the, you know, the 20th, 21st century, this is where we're getting into other things. Now, what are these other things? Dot, dot, dot. The book doesn't really explain it super clearly. There are a couple of references to things as, such as jobs, such as love or a, uh, a relationship with another person, as status within a company or within a friend group or in, among society, things like that. But it's never really, really clear. I just get these kind of little snippets as I was reading through the book of what are these causa sui projects and how we're doing it. What is a lot more clear is where we have ones which are failed attempts of, of trying to do this or bad, mm, bad ways of denying our death. And so things that he lists are here are such as depression, schizophrenia, um, all sorts of perversions. And so these relate to kind of fetishes and homosexuality and things like that. Uh, and then also how a couple examples of, of how this has impacted society in a broad scale, such as Hitler and how he had a, you know, a, a, a particular fetish or a particular thing. And this is why he you know wanted to kill all the Jews and cleanse the motherland and things like that. 
this is where we'll get into, I suppose, mental illnesses, which is part of what he talks about here. So I'm going to page 248 now. And so mental illnesses as failed heroics. So this is where the heroism, and we'll get back to that, which is the transfer, the transference from our mortality. So that's we're trying to become heroes. He says, one very interesting and consistent conclusion emerges from our overview of mental illness, that Adler was right to say that the mentally ill all have a basic problem of courage. They cannot assume responsibility for their own independent lives. They are hyper fearful of life and death. From this vantage point, the theory of mental illness is really a general theory of the failures of death transcendence. The avoidance of life and the terror of death become enmeshed in the personality to such an extent that it is crippled, unable to exercise the normal cultural heroism of other members of the society. Okay, that's a pretty good sum up, I suppose, of the points of what he was trying to get at to heroism. Let's jump into my own personal observations and takeaways. Uh, Look, you're going to (laughs) notice as I get into this section that I wasn't that really big a fan of the book and I, I was struggling to really understand and take things away. I want to give a kind of at least start off with a an un, relatively unbiased, I think, opinion of, of what is contained within the book, which I'd say about one-fifth of it was sex-related topics, one-fifth was about mental illnesses, one-fifth was about Freud, one-fifth was about Kierkegaard, and one-fifth was his own sort of theory of this denial of death and this heroism and there are many other linkages. He talked about Rank, Otto Rank a lot. He talks about Freud a lot um, and, and Carl Jung. But it's, I would say that is kind of the general thumb up, uh, sum up. Now, why did I struggle with this? I think there was quite a few reasons. And the, this was also why there was only one theme, even though you could probably take you know, 50 themes out of this if you are particularly interested in psychoanalysis or this kind of psychology and whatnot. For me, it, it, it lacked a couple of things and what it was lacking was what made it hard for me to understand. So there was no practical clearness of this, i.e. there was no, this wasn't really directed at a person and saying, you know, this is why you do this sort of thing and here's an example of it. This is why this institution behaves like this. This is why governments are set up in this way. It's all, even though this theory is very, all-encompassing so he says you know the denial of death is related to everything that we do it kind of gets to this point that i was almost talking about in in reality plus which uh, david chalmers was talking about which is okay say we are all in a simulation but there's no way of proving it even if it is true how helpful is it to to know that it's it it's practically useless because you're you're not going to behave any differently there's no way of getting to this next level of the simulation or anything. I kind of get this feeling with this, which is some people might find this theory really compelling and maybe they can see how it applies to their lives. But for me, it kind of feels like, nah, I, I, I don't see how many of my decisions are related to this. And if it is this unconscious level of, of I'm denying death when I you know, pick up this piece of paper, when I create this book review, when I eat um, you know, vegetarian for a day instead of, um, instead of like a normal, uh, or normal or instead of a meat uh, diet or something like that. I, I just don't particularly see how this applies. And this is where it gets into other things like there's no data, there's no studies in this, there's no, this is all kind of that psychoanalyst you know, secondhand knowledge or, you know, their their interpretations of all of these things that they're getting from their clients um, who are kind of 
messed up people by definition because they're seeking out help from from these psychoanalysts like Freud and Jung. Uh, and he himself wasn't. So this is kind of second, secondhand knowledge uh, as an, on top of that. It's very, it's overly analytical. You can see this constantly. Uh, there's a, a section where he's talking about Freud's fainting spells and he, he spends, I don't know, five pages analyzing why Freud had these two fainting spells in his life, why Jung had this particular thing with Rome and he couldn't even you know, book a ticket to Rome because Rome had the symbolism and the symbolism. It just gets really, really focused on one particular thing. And Freud himself had these problems and why he came up with that quote, which was along the lines of, you know, sometimes a, a, a doll is just a doll or sometimes a thing is just a thing. You don't need to go overly, overly deep into it. And it does have this kind of word salad quality. It talks about things such as the eclipse of the sacred dimension. I'm going to read out just a, a, a section here from page 225, which is in this general view of mental illness, which is in the part two of this. And so here, Freud was right to see the centrality of the image of the phallic mother and to connect it directly with the castration complex but he was wrong to make the sexual side of the problem the central core of it to take what is derivative the sexual and make it primary the ex uh, existential dilemma the wish for the phallic mother the horror of the female genitals may well be a universal experience of mankind for girls as well as boys but the reason is that the child wants to see the omnipotent mother the miraculous source of all his protection nourishment and love as a really godlike creature complete beyond the accident of a split into two sexes the threat of the castrated mother is a threat to the, his whole existence in that his mother is an animal thing and not a transcendent and not a transcendent angel the fate that he then fears that turns him away from the mother in horror is that he too is a fallen bodily creature, the very thing that he fights to overcome by his anal training. The horror of the female genitals then is the shock of the tiny child who is at all at once before the age of six suddenly turned into a philosopher, a, tra a tragedian who must be a man long before his time and who must draw on reserves of wisdom and strength that he doesn't have. Again, this is the burden of the primal scene, not that it awakens unbearable sexual desires in the child or aggressive hate and jealousy. To, it goes on and on. <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff that this book contains a lot of this diving into anal training about how children are philosophers when they are six years old, about uh, you know, if the denial of if, if we were immortal, we would live in a utopia, those sorts of things. It, it just goes too far for me in many, many ways. And I, I, I don't know about you just hearing that. I don't think more context is needed to that particular section. A lot of this is just these long sections talking about the sexual training or the Oedipal complex or how homosexuals are all trying to, you know, deny their blah, blah, blah. You know, there's no, there's no consideration of, oh, maybe this is, a, an inherent thing in the brain or it you know it's it's kind of it, it is viewing everything through this lens of psychology and those guys really really like to analyze everything so um the, nothing can escape from their from their grasp of of why you do what you do or why society is the way society is structured and things like that uh, another thing it's um it's very similar to my my book of either book review of either or which was by kierkegaard and in that, I, I basically found a similar thing. There was a lot of talk and there was no real 
clear sentences of, of what it was that he was actually trying to say. And I think this might have something to do with it being convincing in speech and language. And uh, this is where you'll see people like Jordan P. Peterson and Freud and I think even himself, because it was talking about uh, in the in the very start about how he was a, a relatively popular lecturer and whatnot. But there is, I think there's something about this charisma when people talk about these things. And the modern example is Jordan Peterson, where if you listen to him and then you go read his books, I think his books, they they have these word salad type things where it's it, the meaning doesn't get across as well. And I, I don't really understand this because... Uh, usually I would have thought the meaning would be a bit clearer and easier to understand in books, whereas vice, in this case, I believe it's vice versa. And what they're trying to get at, what they're talking about, I think it's much more easier to understand in the in the dialectical form, which uh, I think is quite, quite interesting. Ultimately, I, th- I think this book kind of falls into Freud's trap, which was he was talking about a lot in, in that Freud focused too much on sexual obsession of everything came down to sexuality. And his... He follows into almost the same trap, in my opinion, which is everything comes down to death and our denial of it. And I just don't think that's the best way of explaining everything. It's almost like there is this need to simplify everything. And I, I, I just don't understand why we can't just leave some things complex sometimes or it's we'll never know the answer. Um, yeah, just my personal opinion there. So in summary, from almost the beginning, the style seemed really unclear to me. If I concentrate, I think I can put a positive spin on this. And there were sections of this book, one-off little paragraphs or sentences where I thought, okay, that makes a good point. That makes sense. This whole idea, his whole theory, I, I don't personally buy into it, but maybe you'll find it helpful if, if, if death is something that is really on your mind a lot or if you do believe in a lot of these sexual castration complexes, penis envy, um, things like that you know, maybe, maybe this will be way up your alley. Uh, but for me, a lot of it just kind of seemed out of date with not only the theories themselves with regards to how science operates and how I, I think the human brain and, and how we can discover more things and say, okay, there's more a biological cause to this rather than a psychological cause or an explanation, which is more biological. And, you know, some of it is just got really loaded words when he talks about homosexuality when he talks about castration, when he talks about perversions and things like that, I could see this. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of, I suppose, cultural baggage or maybe things that were easier to talk about in that time or had these implicit beliefs, um, i.e. everyone knew about Freud. You know, this is 50 years on from from what he was talking about and, and Freud is not as prominent now, I think, as maybe he was back in the 1970s when this was being written. So with all of that, being combined I, I i had higher hopes because some people that i respect greatly really enjoy this book but for me i was just going Ugh, I'm, I'm struggling to get through this and there were actual you know skimmings and sections that i i had to just skip skip through because i wasn't getting anything from it so all in all i'm giving the book the denial of death by ernest becker a three out of ten i hope you get more out of this maybe i'm just denying how good this book is and my denial of death is wrapped up within that who knows <laughs> but I, I i do hope you you get a a better understanding or of psychology or, or whatnot from this than than i did because i struggled 
And that is it for today, my mere mortalites. Thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts of the denial of death of Ernest Becker, of Freud, Jung, Karl Marx, of, of everyone? Jesus, there was so much going on within this book. Were you able to get past the sexual things? Were you able to get past the mental illness things, which is what I struggled with a lot? And were you able to get past the word salad? I would love to know all of these things. The best way of doing that is via sending in a Boostergram. So a Boostergram is a message you can send within the actual podcasting app you are using. If you're using a decent one, which has chapters and links and all of these uh, additional benefits, which some of the Relic, the legacy apps do not have. So I would recommend out one like Pond, uh, Fountain or Podverse or Breeze. And you are able to send a message with a attachment of Satoshi's to that, a recognition of your part that I've provided some value and you're providing that back to me. You are free to choose whatever amount you want. And I am very grateful for all and every amounts that come through. I would just recommend and highlight this podcast does take a lot of time and energy and effort and money on my part to maintain and keep going. So I would very much appreciate if you could do that. Uh, Podcastapps.com is a way to go and choose one of those. And other than that, I do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world and that you're not denying your death. And if you are, that you're still having a great day. Ciao for now, Karen out.